When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Bleeding Blue, a show about the New York football giants and its history. My name is Justin Pennick, alongside one of my best friends in the entire world, Nikki Snacks. And Snacks, it's, uh, it's the second to last time that I'm going to be saying that for this offseason. Next week is going to be our final episode of the offseason. We'll have a special announcement next week, too. Snacks, how are you, my friend? Today we're talking about the 2007 America's Game. Yes, we are. I'm doing great. Uh, feeling good. Um, very upset that bleeding blue is coming to an end this off season. Um, we're almost, we're almost through the whole off season, but we, we did it again. We did a, did a lot of great stuff, a lot of in-person stuff, which was our goal. Unfortunately, we were unable to do that this week, but, um, doesn't mean the show is not going to be great. The 07 America's game, New York giants, the greatest cinematic piece of art in the history of cinematic history. Why? Tell me why. I mean, how is it not? One, what? The visuals, the interviews, the purpose, everything combined into one, Justin. This was the greatest Super Bowl run in NFL history and how they captured it with two men that you can argue that are on the Mount Rushmore of New York Giants and Strahan and Eli. One who you can argue is the greatest coach in NFL history, NFL history, in Giants history, all coming together in one unison. How they did it and how they they had the narration, the storylines, everything put into one. It was absolute gold. It was art. I have watched it a million times. I've cried a million times. It's the greatest form of art in cinematic history. Now that I've rewatched all four, we only talked about three, and then we talked about uh, 2011 America's Game on Talking Giants. Yes, we did, with uh, with uh, Robert Skinner. Yeah, with Robert. And now that I've watched all four this offseason, I've, re- I've rewatched them, I can say that 2007 is the best one. It's the best one, and it's yeah. just it, because it's to me it's the most meaningful. I mean, this was – of the four Super Bowls, this is, this is the best one, obviously, just because of the – you know, the circumstances and everything like that. And Strahan is also electric. He is so damn good. Strahan is electric. He's so damn good. And it's so funny because during one of his stomp you out uh, speeches, he's like, 
I'm not good at much, but I know I'm pretty as a motherfucker or something, yeah. something like that. Yeah. He's like, I, I know I'm good at playing football. It's like, well, it's funny that, you know, he's really, really good at entertaining and he's really, really good behind TV. And, yeah. You know, and when you, th- when you think about it, I mean, I'm sure this makes was, sense. This, it does make sense. And this is probably, I would say a couple months after. So he definitely did spots on good morning America, all the Regis food, whatever he was doing after that. But post-retirement, this has got to be his biggest project. If you think about it. Yeah. That's a lot of time that went into it. And he just absolutely shined. You knew right away that this man was going to be all world in front of a camera, uh, a national audience that's not on a football field. So um, the funniest moment, tell me about the funniest moment in London where he was retelling London. Oh, this is, this is my favorite part. So we're there. We're in London. We're playing the dolphins and Eli scrambles left. And he's run, he probably on what the, the fifteen yard line. 10 yeah, it's yard line, it's, it's like, like it's it's probably still is his longest rushing touchdown of his career. It has to be. And he beats he, Jason Taylor. He beats Jason Taylor to the edge. And they cut the stray hand. They go. I look up. I take a sip of my my Gatorade cup. And as I'm taking a sip, or I'm putting my hand out. He says something like, "I'm, I'm putting the cup up to my lips, and I'm watching Eli run." And I'm drinking it, and I'm drinking it, and I'm drinking it. Something of that nature, meaning how slow Eli yeah. was. He he puts it down. He gets another cup. He puts it down. He puts it. <laughs> he, he gets another cup, and I'm drinking it, and I'm drinking. It, and Eli's still running. And the and Eli's only films, two yards down. He's two, yeah, 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 Eli's only two yards. And why? Another reason why this is the greatest piece of art ever is they're showing that clip with no sound and in like slow motion, and you just see Strahan, and he's like. It, yep. It's absolutely, it's absolutely hysterical. It always cracks me up every single time. The big smile, um, but yeah, that, that that's that's got to be Eli's most athletic play ever. I, I'm not even counting the the Super Bowl when he escaped. That yeah, I mean, that was just toughness. But but when they were showing also like when they were describing Eli as this stoic, nothing can bother him type of guy, and Strahan is just like. Yeah, yeah, empty, empty at the camera. <laughs> well, no, he goes, he goes, and I'm pumping everybody up in the locker room. At one point, I forget which game, I'm pumping everybody up in the locker room, you know, rallying them up. Everybody's yelling, screaming. Then I look over, I go to Eli, and he's just. And Strahan does it. He just goes, he's. Yeah, it, it was, it was fucking hilarious. He, imi- and- he imitates Eli's persona. He just goes, and there's Eli, good old Eli. And that's part of what America's game does is the dichotomy. The yeah. dichotomy between different emotions, different types of things. So at the start of it, it always starts off like good and then it gets bad. Um, I think this 07 one, it just started out. Well, no, it started out with uh, Coughlin um, saying, if you're a half-ass guy, excuse guy, that doesn't yeah. sound like somebody whose priority it is to be the best that they can be. So that was the opening scene here. So it's like tough, hard-nosed Coughlin, whereas um, I know 87 – 86-87 America's game, it starts out with the Giants winning the, the NFL championships. 2011 America's game starts off with winning the 2007 Super Bowl. So basically, it gives you a dichotomy of emotions. Um, and then what this scene was, was uh, the, with the whole Strahan stoic Eli face. Michael Strahan stomp you out. That's how Michael Strahan gets ready for a game. 
this is how Eli Manning gets ready for a game yeah. and then just nothing. So that's yeah. what I love about, you know, America's game in general, but especially this one, it kind of painted uh, the duality of emotions so well. And, and the two personalities that are completely opposite. And I know it's, it's at the end and um, I'll just, I'll say it now because we're talking about the dichotomy of both personalities and um, Strahan, my favorite, he, he goes, because I don't go around telling a lot of people I love them. But I love Eli Manning. Yeah. And he's got like this big smile with the gap in his, his tooth. And then they show them hugging after this. It's just, it's something that's so special where you got, and that's why football is so great too, because those two guys, one's the leader of the defense. He's been there 13 years for whatever, how long it's been. 14 years, I guess, at that point, he was drafted in 93 and that was 07. Then you have Eli, who's in his third, fourth season. And they are the two polar opposites, yet they were the, the ones tasked with leading both of their respective sides of the ball. And you don't see that. You don't see that until it all really comes together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, like Coughlin too, who straight, you know, Strahan said about Coughlin. I, yeah. I could not imagine, you know, if you were to tell me after the 04 season that I'd be playing for him for more than one season, you know, you, you said that you, that you'd be crazy. So and, and Stra- Strahan flat out says in America's game, he goes, I, we couldn't stand coach Coughlin. Yeah. And when he goes, he goes, I, I, I don't think I'd ever play for anybody else. So that, and we've talked about the transformation of Tom Coughlin from um, a hard ass disciplinarian to a soft father-like figure to them. And um, maybe, we, maybe we kind of start with the Strahan piece here, if you don't mind. Yeah. Because it's kind of a little bit of a segue. Strahan was, he missed all the training camp. He was fine to, $200,000. And he said, if I, if I knew that I could be fined $200,000, I would have never done training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this is, this is the off season where Coughlin really started showing his, you know, his caring side, his caring side. Sorry. I just got a, a weird email. Love that. Um, and it, they, he took them, he took them out bowling. He goes, we're not practicing today. We're going bowling. And Strayan's like, they went bowling. <laughs> what, so who is this man yeah um so it, it's funny to me when when Strayan, like we said was just an absolute superstar and the way he talks about how much he hated coughlin in the beginning to how he talks about him at the end and the embrace that they had you know when they won the super bowl and they're on that little float on the field uh just very special i feel like we all forget um or maybe it was even, I don't know. I don't think it was downplayed at the time. I, I was literally like 10 years old, so I wasn't following the ins and outs of the Giants beat and stuff like that. But I feel like in history and in hindsight, it's downplayed probably how close Strahan was to retiring and not even coming back for that 07 season. Yeah, no, and he, he talks about it. He goes, he, he really just didn't want to play. Yeah. He, did, he didn't have the heart for it. and um, Especially I, for a rebuilding team, which I, he, he kind of said that, in no, so I, many it, words, yeah. It felt no. He said rebuilding in America's game. He said did he, it say, felt, he said the word rebuilding. Yeah, he, he did. He said it, it. It just felt like a sort of rebuilding team, and especially like if Coughlin's out and if Eli's out, and the media gets their way after 06, and if 07 doesn't go according to plan. I mean, that is kind of what was you know maybe not Eli, but definitely Tom Coughlin. So yeah, and I mean, can you blame Strahan? No. He's, he no. had a Hall of Fame career way, way well before that. And one he, year of success in 2000. And, yeah, you know, really 2002, cool. I'm sure, really fucking Burns killed all ass. those guys. Yeah. Um, you know, and also having 
the turmoil. That, that 2006 season, which I actually, in hindsight, knowing what we know about doing the show, reading If These Walls Could Talk, um, you know, just, just talking so much Giants history these past 12 seasons, I kind of wish that 2007 America's Game looked a little bit more of, at how crazy that 2006 season was between Shockey, Plaxico Burris, like uh, Matthias Kiwanuka, like all the aftermath after that Tennessee yep. game, Tiki Barber. They did talk about Tiki Barber. I wish that they looked at how kind of wild the state of the football team was and the state of the locker room was. So here's what I'm going to ask you. Okay. Well, real quick, that's a really good point because that 2006 was complete disarray. It was team. nuts. Like yeah. it was not. A, and they almost beat Philly in a playoff game. It was but, a bad yeah. situation. Yeah. Especially when you include Tiki Barber and some of the things that he said and he did, you know, retiring, you know, saying that basically his heart's not in it, retiring in the middle of the season, bashing his teammates, coaches in the middle of the season. I'm going to let you tell that story. But before we bash Tiki Barber a little bit more, what he said about Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin on NBC before the season, do you, th- it's a shit dirtbag thing to do. But he is a media member, and was he entirely wrong? Because hearing what Strahan had to say about why he wanted to retire and why he was thinking about retirement, was Tiki Barber entirely wrong when saying that Eli Manning didn't have full grasp and full control of the team? Uh, And that he needed to earn it, and that's why he earned Michael Strahan's respect. Yeah, so uh, if I'm taking a step back and thinking about it logically – um. I mean, you had a you had a quarterback in two of his first three seasons go to the playoffs. Yes. Did you did you have a and you had a coach that literally built up an expansion team that went to an AFC championship game in like year two, and he went to, he won a division title, went to a playoffs year before in a, in a year of disarray. Yeah, eleven and five and eight and eight. Too. Eleven and five, yeah. So, and he, they were like five and two, and then you know six and ten, obviously in in two thousand four, but with the rookie quarterback. Yeah, line. Kurt Warner. Yeah, Kurt. Yeah, that was never sustainable. That team wasn't very good yet. They did start off well with yeah, Kurt they Warner. Start off like five and two. Yeah, but I don't want to say it's completely wrong because Eli does need to take charge, and even though that he was never that guy, even later on in his career when he was an established Super Bowl MVP and everything like that, did he really have a fighting chance? when you have a who I love and every giant fan loves a Jeremy Shockey, that's just bitching at him all game. Cause he's not throwing the ball. You have an egomaniac like Plax who needs the ball. You have Tiki Barber who is an egomaniac. Like that is just such a toxic, toxic, toxic environment to be in for a quarterback. That's been in the league for three years. Yeah. I understand and what, what he's saying. What have they done? Exactly. Exactly. And I, I, I get what he's trying to say, but I think he's deflecting a lot of blame uh, on, onto Eli when, you know, you were the face of that, that offense for six years prior to Eli being there. Where were, you, where were you as a leader? You quit in midseason. Yeah. I'm retiring after the year. Who, who does that? And, and also saying, like, I, I, you know, they, they talked about it in, in America's game, saying that, like, his heart's not in it and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a, and people people come out when I say quitting scumbag. He's a quitting scumbag. I'm sorry. He quit. He quit. In, the, in his prime, he quit. Sure, he was, what, 31, whatever. But he had finally 
become the probably the best running back in football. Maybe not named Ladanian Tomlinson, but he was that damn good. Yeah, especially he was, when he fixed the fumbles. And 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 who did he bitch at? Who did he bitch at after he retired? Tom Coughlin. And who fixed his fumbles? Tom Coughlin. Yeah, right. So does anything he says hold water to me? No, it doesn't. It doesn't because when he left, when he left and Shockey got hurt, who took over that team, that offense? Eli. Eli did. Yeah. Yeah. So when you have those personalities like they did, and yeah, I get it. The quarterback should should oversee it. <laughs> have you watched the emotion that Jeremy Shockey played with, and how crazy he was, and how miserable it made Eli look because he's force feeding him the ball when he's not even open? And why do you think Eli, when he went on Cam Newton's podcast in a two-minute drill, said he, he would rather Kevin Boston than Jeremy Shockey? Yeah. Come on. So, no. What Eli said, what, what Tiki said, sure, in, in a sense, there's probably some truth to it. But when you dig deeper, no, he's a fucking idiot and he's wrong. Yeah, because part of me was thinking about what Tiki said and then hearing what Michael Strahan had to say about his decision on whether he wanted to come back or not, which a lot of it I'm sure had to do with Tom Coughlin. But also I would just say more of Tom than you. But also just hearing about how Strahan talked about the progression of Eli Manning, it's almost like Eli needed to earn respect, which is wild when you do look at the circumstance of yes, they went eleven and five, they went eight and eight. Yeah, you know, Eli threw interceptions. Yes, he had dumb mistakes and, and he made dumb decisions. Yes, the Giants offense well the Giants offense in 05 was a top ten scoring offense, yes, but I I, I digress. Game. I mean it was great running game. You know, I, I that was Jacobs's rookie year. Um Tiki Barber had a you so know really good going year. Off, yeah. Um but you know Plaxico's first first year as as a giant, right. but neither here nor there. Kinda wild that he it was like Eli needed to earn this respect, not just of media and fans, which that's a that's a given but of like the teammates kind of what just because he's ho-hum. But if he was more brash, maybe he wouldn't have needed to earn that respect, which I think is a wild, wild dynamic, which again, it goes off of that 2006 season, which was just so fucking crazy. Yeah. And I, I, I love that you brought the 06 season up because I, I remember the 06 season very well. Um, even as a young guy, I was probably 14 years old. I still remember that being just an absolute shit show. And the fact that you had two guys in Tiki and Strahan who were, I guess, the longest tenure Giants at the time and, you know, two leaders of the team, maybe they just weren't, you know, receptive of a of a, a, a mute quarterback from Mississippi. Especially having the name Manning. Heard. Yeah, too. exactly. And expecting, you know, okay, why isn't this guy leading us to where we need to go? So I, I get it in that sense, but I don't know. You didn't really give him much of a chance. He, he, he won you, helped win you a division helped get you in a playoff game, helped you almost win that playoff game. I I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of that was more frustration on their end that they were about to walk into the sunset, yeah. not being winners, um, especially both being on a team that was dominant in 2000 and getting thrashed in the Super Bowl. Uh, and then, you know, four years later, they're kind of in a full rebuild, yeah. drafting a quarterback that early or that high and – I don't know. I think I think it's a lot more frustration than it was yeah. an Eli thing. But it was um, Eli's response that gave this, him the brownie points in the locker room, kind of yeah. sticking when it he to fired Tiki. Back at Tiki. Yep. Yeah, sticking it like, hey, Tiki didn't have heart. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that he could say about Tiki, and then the the nice little joke at the end. I'm glad that Tiki's uh off to like a strong start in his media career, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so. and he brings up he brings up announcing like his retirement mid year. Yes, I, I yes. didn't see your leadership when you were announcing your retirement mid year. 
So, which that was unlike anything. Like looking back on Eli's entire career, that was unlike anything that I've heard Eli Manning say, especially from the early part of his career. Because he throw he threw some jabs in at the front office towards the latter part of his career. Yeah, which was well deserved. But yeah. to another player like that, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, like everybody remembers the elite question Michael K asked and him answering it and backing it up, but his response to Tiki before that season was just otherworldly. Yeah. I was, I, I, that was a man growing up in front of your eyes. Yep. Where do you want to go to next? Yeah. So I, I think uh, that we, we mixed in Tiki with the stray hand. We, we talked a lot about stray hand. Um, let's, let's talk a little about coach Coughlin because yes. um, we don't have to get into it again about how he, that was the off season where he changed his ways and became a father figure and, a lot softer on the guys still had his strict rules and everything like that. Um, but they finally saw that softer side to him that they wanted to play for. However, after the 06 season, they, uh, John Marin needed to be convinced to retain coach Coughlin, even after back-to-back playoff appearances in only three years at the helm, they had to be convinced. Yeah. And he, and I, I know John Marin has said before, and they said, my Coughlin's like, I'm, I don't know how I survived it really like that was that was something that he really had to sell hard like you know Johnny Cochran sold OJ getting out of that murder Mm. and uh I mean we're lucky he did because I know that reference that's one of the few that you probably do know (laughs) that's why I kept it there but it really he, he fought for his job he did not think it was it was he and Coughlin says it all the time. Fire the coach, fire the quarterback. Like it's like his famous line. Fire the coaches, fire the players. And, he said uh, it. But, he said it. Uh, he said it this past year. I, I, <laughs> at Eli's jersey. At Eli's jersey time. Fire yeah. the coaches, just, fire the players. It's, it's his. It's his famous line. But it after 06, that was a real thing. Maybe not so much Eli, but definitely Coughlin. Yeah, I'm one hundred percent. They may not have thought he was the right guy, but Coughlin made the changes and, you know, he, he fought for his job and he won it. And not only like, so we talk about the, you know, uh, firm, honest, demanding uh, as like his pillars, but also um, he adding caring to it. Yes. So we all know that, but he wanted to have fun this year. Like and he, that's what he just said. Goes, him as a coach, just he wanted to he wanted to have fun this year with with his guys and with his players. So that's that's the noble part. And I it. think his direct quote was, "He's like, I'm going into the season. If this is going to be my last season, I want to have fun with it." Yeah. Um, and he did. And like we were talking about the bowling story in training camp. You think Tom Coughlin wants to miss football yeah. practice in training camp? And he was eating the burger, like literally jumping yeah, from yeah. training camp to the Super yeah. Bowl. He was eating. Uh, they went to In and Out Burger. Which I honestly, well, I guess it is a West Coast thing. I thought it was just a California thing. I guess it's just a West Coast thing. Um, they went to In-N-Out Burger in Arizona, and Strahan again. Strahan just a perfect illustrator of just Gracie. stories, capturing stories. Gracie. He's usually he's usually like one of those uh, one of those guys to put the napkin or to put a towel around his shirt, um, and you know just get all formal, ready to eat something. No, they they showed, and this is oh, I wanted to say this about just how beautiful this America's game was. They did a great job of incorporating like footage that was shot from the players on yes. whether it was the the handheld cell phones or their camcorders, whatever, whatever. And it looked vintage. It looked cool. You know, it's not just shot from an iPhone or something like that. Um, 
So it was really, really cool that they were able to integrate shots like Tom Coughlin eating an In-N-Out burger uh, when they were when Sam Madison was in London, just saying uh, "What up, mate?" to like, or that was Australian people on the street, yeah, just yeah. random people on the Jacobs street. Jacobs was out there. What? Yeah, yeah. Can I also talk about it? Because you, I, I want to. The beauty of America's game. Okay, yes, because we were talking about the greasy burger that he was eating, and it, they capture it so perfectly. Yes. And I forget who's recording it, but they they like zoom in on him, and it's you, well, you hear Strahan's voice. He's yeah. like doing a narration of that's Tom Coughlin in real time. Greasy yeah. Burger. yeah. Um. So that was great. We got a ring in the plane. Um, showing Eli in the black tie with the white shirt. Um, when they were dressing up to the funeral it's either going to be the giants funeral or it's going to be the patriots funeral that they yeah. that they dressed and in all Eli black. just didn't want to wear all black. yeah but they you know they were filming they they showed like shot uh film of like eli on the plane with like his headphones um what else what else what else there's a there's a ton there's um, a ton there but it, but the way that they were able to integrate it just it, it's it's awesome yeah it's and I love the narrations behind everything because it also, it goes from like in the beginning bad when they're getting blown out by the, the Cowboys and the, the, the Packers and Strahan's like, why did I come back for this? Then it gets fun. They get on that winning streak and they're in the London, which is great. And they have the little rough patch again. So it's, it's, it's like, it's like misery to we're having a blast to love. Yep. If that makes sense. Like where like it all comes to fruition, Strahan. I, I love Eli Manning. I never want to play for anybody but Coach Coughlin. Um, and then you see, I think you tweeted it out um, today, which oh, I no. guess is this is Thursday. It's like this will never not make me emotional. And Eli's like this with the hat on. I cried. Yeah, I know. I I had to, I had to really hone myself in when I was rewatching that. Yeah. And I love, I love when Coach Coughlin brings up that Jerry Jones had given all his players two tickets to the NFC Championship. And he says, uh, well, before the game. He goes, you know, I, he, didn't, I didn't want to bring it. He, he said something like, I didn't want to make a big deal of it. But, but I, I made sure that I told the players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after the game, during the post game celebration, he's like, don't tell the media this. But don't worry, Jerry's sending over two tickets for everybody. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Just like <laughs> so so perfectly played. Ugh. So perfectly played. I love that Jerry Jones did that. I really fucking I love that Jerry Jones it, did it, that. It fueled him. It fueled like, him. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Jerry yeah. Jones. Another great tidbit was like Strahan said he was sitting with O.C. and Tuck. They were in the cafeteria when Brady said, we're only going to score 17 points. Ha, ha, mm-hmm. ha, ha. And, or, I think Pierce was there too, and they're all looking at each other like, oh, yeah? Okay. Love that. All right. And it's funny because it's actually like Plaxico started that. He did. But the Giants were the one to like take offense off of the response. So I'm like, okay, whatever works. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, think about it though. Think about it. He made a prediction, which I mean, that doesn't get, that doesn't get talked about enough. Plaxico's prediction. One, it was pretty spot on. 17-14. Yeah. 23-17. He predicted. He said 23-17. One, it's almost very spot on too. That's, that's a guarantee. We talk about Messier's guarantee. The Rangers, why do we not talk more about Plaxis? Maybe because he didn't say the words guarantee, but he gave a definitive score. Yeah, he did. It really does not get talked about a lot. No. If, if at all, ever. 
the only clip that gets talked about is Brady saying we're only going to score that 17 points. That is true. Points. Like the 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 Brady the response. response clip gets talked about more than Plaxico's actual prediction, which prompted the response. Correct. And Plaxico was wow. in his visor. I remember him saying, like, it, it just doesn't make sense why that doesn't get talked about a lot. It's very true. I, I, I don't know. It's very it true. It fueled him. So what do I got to bitch about? Um, one thing I don't remember. To, I, I mean, I, I really do remember America's game. I want to bring up one play that I know we've talked about before, but one play to me that is just so game changing in all the playoffs. Do you remember Antonio's Pierce? Antonio's Pierce. Antonio Pierce's um, his tackle on that screenplay. Yeah, Ryan and they, Grant. And they didn't they didn't talk about that in America's game. They didn't, but but they should have. Yeah, there's only so much like like I said, ah. uh, like I I would have loved if they brought up 2006. Like there's only so much that you could talk yeah, about. Yeah, I, I get it, but that to me that is one of the great defensive plays in Giants history. Yeah, they He uh, was gone, Justin, he was gone. They they loved talking about Al Harris versus Plaxico Burris. Um, and Burris there was a line Burris pointing at the sideline. He can't cover me. There was a line. Al Harris must be cold because he's been undressed by Plaxico Burris. Yeah, Burris. Oh, <laughs> all game. <laughs> Which I thought for because of how cold it was, that was fucking yeah. hilarious. <laughs> it, it, it's a very it's a very good line. It's a very strong line. Yeah. Um, I, I love the still shots of Coughlin of Coughlin's breath, like the breath, the mm-hmm. smoke coming out of Coughlin's breath. And his, his face is red as my hair. Um, Just the whole series of events that they had for, for that NFC Championship game. Right. The, the music and shots after Tynes hits the field goal, slow and emotional. There's other shots in America's game. Uh, like in 2011 America's game, there are like when Ahmad Bradshaw runs over the Jets and Victor Cruz goes for 99 yards. That's like tough and it's like in your face music. But this in 2007 slow so emotional yep. like just the accumulation of you know 18 years of a franchise of you know a super bowl drought um you know and then just so much turmoil that this own you know eli had to go through strahan tom coughlin that they finally they're they're getting there um yep. so. yeah and, and, you know and it's it's per- obviously those are the three guys that were always going to do the narrations um yep. and to me they all had just stories in and themselves coming into the year in the middle of the year, everything. Um, and they all depicted it perfect. And another funny story, because we were just talking about the Green Bay game that I, I love when Eli talks about. Um, talks about his wife, Abby, not sitting in the stands. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I learned something about Eli Manning, but go ahead. No, no, I, I just, I think it's funny. He goes, uh, he goes, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. And you want to know what? Season four of The Office premiered oh. September of 2007. That is when season four is when Michael Scott says, I'm not okay. superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. So yes. I was yes. tr- I, I tried to determine, I was like, did The Office take that from Eli Manning and then make it Michael Scott? No, I think I think Eli it's Manning the other way around. Yes. I think Eli <laughs> Manning was an avid office watcher and he quoted Michael Scott before it was cool to quote Michael Scott like it is Correct. right now. Correct. And he's definitely Eli's definitely got that dry sense of humor that the office has, that dumb humor that <laughs> the office has. So it was just perfect. And, and, and he was he, a big prankster. So he must have fucking prankster. loved Jim. Oh yeah. Him is probably his favorite character. Um I but I just I, I love it. It's just like one of those things is like it bless <laughs> don't ever do that again. Um he's saying to Abby, his wife, and Kate like it's yeah, it's negative thirty degrees, but 
you have to sit in the stands. You can't sit in the booth. Mm -hmm. And he's like, after the game, I'm looking around and she was not in the stands. She was, she was in the booth. She was in the booth with the rest of the Manning clan. Eli Um, Manning for how cool, calm and collected he is. He is superstitious. It's not that he's a little stitious. He, he he talked about when they played Dallas. Was this 07 or 11 snacks? I think it was 07. When they played Dallas that he always, it is, it is Dallas because this was the old stadium, not the new stadium. He always had to look to the left scoreboard when he was sitting on the bench. He, when he was watching the defense, he had to look at the left scoreboard. He would get up and he would celebrate if something good happened. He would talk to some teammates, but then when the defense was on the field and when plays were happening, he would sit down and he would look to the left scoreboard. 2011. He kept the poker chip around. Uh, you just took the words right out of my hand. Yep. So, so uh, he Eli Manning is a superstitious person. Oh, without a, without without question. But he's he's only a little stitious though. No, no, he's full on superstitious. No, he is. He, and, and you know what? I love that. That's what. That's why me and him have so much in common. Besides the good looks and the the charm and you know the. Humor. It's arguably what makes him most human. I think I think I have found the thing that makes Eli Manning the most relatable. Is, is that, that he's superstitious? Yes. Yeah, you could probably say that. That's that's pretty fair. Um, but overall, just uh, I mean, the, the, this America's game in and itself, it, it's it's incredible. Yes, it, it, it truly is. The stories and the transformations of these guys and how they really came together as one unit is awesome. It it really is awesome. Um, and a draft class that much, much hated Jerry Reese nowadays, a draft class that was, you know, doesn't really get talked about enough in, in the, in the actual movie, but was unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. All the contributors, seventh round pick of my Bradshaw winning a game in Buffalo to secure a wild card. Kevin Boss, 45 yard scamper down the middle in the Super Bowl. Steve Smith during Steve the Super Smith. Bowl. Oh God. That third down. Like just everybody, everybody contributed. Who was that? Who was our first round pick that year? Was that Aaron Ross? Yes. Star, starring cornerback. He didn't do anything that was egregious. Yeah. So just an overall great class that needs to be talked about a little bit more um, and how vital they were to our success for years to come too. Yep. If, if, if you think about it. Um, and one final note. Tell me. I thought more about the helmet catch for the first time in a long time. Like, yeah, we didn't, I, even bring, we didn't even bring that up, which is my favorite part. I I, I thought long and hard about it because again, America's game does such a great job of breaking it down. They put Bob Papa's call and not Troy, yes. uh, and not uh, Troy, not Joe and, Buck's call. And which, Bob Papa, which real quick, I'm sorry, Bob Papa says Tyree wide open down the middle. Tyree was not wide open, but go ahead. I like the energy that he brings. The energy is great, yes, and Joe Buck's is not. Yeah, but he was not wide open. He was not wide open. So here's so here is the thought that I had, and I and I'm just gonna write this down. I'm just gonna read this out as I wrote it down. The helmet catch is the most improbable and least likely play to ever repeat itself, and also the most unique play in NFL history. Like, think about that play. Yeah, I know the play. It is the most improbable, okay, least likely to ever repeat. Yes. And the most unique play in NFL history, maybe besides Franco Harris and um, the Immaculate Reception. Unique, I I may give 
to the immaculate reception. Because it was because- too well. This this play, the helmet catch with with Eli and Tyree, isn't just the helmet catch. It's also Eli. It's two parts. It's an improbable escape. It's the and, escape and then the catch. And then the so catch. overall play, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. But like think about think about like No, like it's it's a too. great point. It's never gonna be replicated ever. How many NFL plays are run in a given weekend, in a given year? That play will never, ever be repeated again. Never. Eli Manning's sort of Mario Manningham could be repeated by somebody. And you could yes. argue Franco it, Harris is can too. There's a there's a you know the the San Antonio Holmes touchdown catch, like that is just as good of a good of a throw and catch scenario as Eli Manning to Mario Manningham in 2011. You can make yeah. an argument. You can. We're a Giants history podcast, and we're not going to say that. No, we're not. Eli's better than Ben. Yeah. So that's my point. On the no, it, it, no, it's a great one, I, and I'm I'm glad you like broke it down that way too. Like most improbable, most unique, everything like that, because it really is. Because there's two parts. And um, Eli says, like in the in the movie, he goes, "I was thinking about just dumping it off to Chris Snee, who was standing right in front of him." And Coughlin and Strahan rip him a new asshole for throwing in the middle of the field. <laughs> right, and they're like, "No, what are you doing?" Because I'm sure he's done that plenty of times before. Oh yeah, uh-huh. and he's never ended well. Off. Yeah. Yep. Um, and if you look back at it, and they show it in slow motion, they really talk about it. Um, I forget the referee's name, so I'm not going to say it. But he was very close to calling that play dead. Yes. Very close. And in theory, in today's NFL, it would. That play would be called dead. 100%. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to that referee. I want to say Carrie, it was. Um, either way, just an, just an unbelievable, unbelievable play that you're right is never going to be replicated ever. And I, I know that some guys have caught the ball on their helmet since then, but they have never jumped up like that. No, I mean they that was have, that was legit. Just like uh, he was standing a rebound. There. I mean that yes. was like a rebound. Yes, he was standing still like this in the middle of the field. He wasn't like going back or running and catching the ball like that. He was standing here and just jumped up and caught it. Yep. And Eli's escaping, which the one time that unbelievable offensive line fails him there that unbelievable offensive line fails him the one time and he gets out of it yeah he bails them out they bailed out him out plenty of times ah just such a an unbelievable an unbelievable moment uh the best moment in our fan well for me at least yeah um no i I think it's the best play and the best moment in franchise history absolutely and i think you can argue it's the best play in, in nfl history yeah so um, and we're fortunate enough to have witnessed it as fans. Do you have anything else for us? Yeah, you want me to tell the Tiki story? <sighs> no. Let's save it. Let's save it. Yeah, that'll, I agree. That'll be a good. Uh, that'll because be a that, good next week. I, one. I, I was just going to say because that we, we did really good there. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to end off on a bad note. All right, people. We thank you for listening. Uh, I'm going to do this a bunch next week, but. Uh, Thank you for listening to us kind of like for the last two years. Um, you know, yeah. we're final episode of the off season is going to be next week, but um, it's going to be a total of 48 episodes the last two years that we have covered just on Giants history. Um, and I think we did a really good job of, you know, kind of going back to the 80s and the 90s, uh, even the 2000 year 
Um, the early 2000s, even when you know sometimes it wasn't that fun. Uh, 2002, BBVCR has done an awesome job kind of coming on here and talking about that. Um, we even had a, you know, uh, remember Alex Zeldin, who wrote a who wrote a play. Uh, he wrote not a play. He he wrote a TV script for a pilot yep. on Ron Dane and Tiki Barber being a a crime fighting duo, and Trey Junkin was the villain. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have talked we've, so we've much. We've had some some fun, some fun. We have talked so much over the last two years. So, um, even if you're behind on some, uh, there's the playlist. There's two different playlists um, on our on our YouTube. So go check those out and binge them. So uh, we'll see you next week for one more final time this off season. Keep on bleeding blue and snacks. Fuck to you, Boris.